How many of you brought your Bibles tonight? Would you lift them up high up in the air? Look at all, look around, look at all those Bibles. I just saw a demon run out of the sanctuary. Look at that. Up in the cafe. Look at that. That is awesome. Look at all those Jesus is the answer Bibles. All right, let's turn to Luke chapter 24. You say, I thought we were doing the minor prophets. We are, but I just figured, you know what? I don't want to start a new book because we ended Haggai. Aren't you surprised by that? We ended Haggai. So what we're going to do is next week is the production. So the week after, two weeks from tonight, I'm going to start a new book. I think it's going to be in the book of Joel. We'll see what the Lord has. We're in the minor prophets. The book of Joel is a, great, is a great book. But tonight, we're going to be on the road to Emmaus. Everybody say the road to Emmaus. The road to Emmaus. This is after the road to Emmaus is talking about after Jesus Christ rose from the dead. How many of you are glad that Jesus is alive, Jesus is present, Jesus is here tonight to touch and minister and do great things? Wouldn't it be terrible if the Lord wasn't here? Oh, it would be terrible. You say, I'm feeling some energy tonight. No, you're not feeling energy. You're feeling Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is here to heal. Jesus Christ is here to touch. Jesus Christ is here to change. Jesus Christ is here to deliver. Jesus Christ is here to comfort. Jesus Christ is here to give you a job. Jesus Christ is here to prosper you. Jesus Christ is here to give you peace. Jesus Christ is here to give you strength. Jesus Christ is here to give you wisdom. How many of you are glad he is alive? How many of you are glad he is well? How many of you are glad he is here? How many of you are glad that he is present? How many of you are glad he is God? How many of you are glad he is here to worship? He is the Lamb of God. Are you ready? He is worthy. Oh no, we can't start doing that. Oh, he's worthy. Turn to somebody and say he's worthy. Oh, Jesus is worthy. Verse 13. That was introduction. Here we go. Luke 24, verse 13. Behold, two of them, two of who? Two disciples. One, if you'll notice in verse 18 when we get there, is Cleopas. We don't know who the other one is. But there's two disciples, and guess what they were do, doing? They were traveling that same day. What same day? The day that Jesus rose from the grave. Should I start all over again? Jesus rose from the grave. And because he rose from the grave, he can heal. He can, oh, no, okay, here we go. Let's just, just, just keep going. So he went that same day, two of them. Again, we know who one disciple was. We don't know who the other one was. And how many of you know, you don't need to be known. None of us here need to be known. We don't need a platform. How many of you know we just do what the Lord has called us to do, and we're just servants of the true and living God? That's for sure. So that same day, they came to a village called what? Anybody know what the name Emmaus means? That's right. It means hot or heat. Isn't that a great name for a town? I think the Lord's going to bring some heat to all of you tonight. Uh-oh, I heard somebody yelled over there, fire! I think that was Stephanie. She prayed tonight. Didn't she do a great job? She was pastor. I was so nervous. I said, that's okay. The Lord's stretching you. That's for sure. How many of you know God's going to set you on fire tonight? How many of you want to be set on fire tonight for the Lord? That's not everybody. By the time of the end of the sermon, you're all going to be at the altar. You know why? Because we're on the road to Emmaus. It means to be hot. It means heat, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. What was that? The resurrection, the death, everything that happened to Jesus. So it was while they conversed and reasoned, look at this, Jesus drew near and went with them. Isn't that cool? So he's already risen from the dead, and all of a sudden he starts to walk with them. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not actually know him at that time. And Jesus said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? 
And they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had seen, also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Turn to somebody and say, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb, and they found it just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. You know why? Because Jesus has risen from the grave. You can find the body of Buddha and his bones. You can find the body of Muhammad and his bones. Anybody who has started a faith, you can find their body. You can know when they're buried, but you can never find the body and the bones of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because how many of you know he is alive and he is risen from the grave in all majesty and glory and honor? That's why Christianity is the only way. That's why Christianity is the right way. That's why only in the name of Jesus can you be healed, delivered, and saved and touched. Yes, and certain women of our company, in verse 22, who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb, found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all of the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. How many of you know that'd be a good class to go to? Oh, man. Then they drew near to the village. What's the name of the village? Emmaus. What does Emmaus mean? Hot or heat. So they drew near to the heat. Ooh. They drew near where it was a little bit spiritually hot. How many of you know that God has brought you tonight because you're drawing a little bit closer to the heat? You're drawing a little bit closer to the one who is hot. Turn to somebody and say, Jesus is hot. Oh, you'll like that, yes. Jesus is hot. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he was going to keep going on farther. But they urged him, they constrained him, they pleaded with him, saying, Stay here, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. And he went in and he said, Okay, I'm going to stay with them. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, that he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened. And they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scripture to us? So they rose up that very hour. They returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed. He has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Oh, I love the Emmaus road. And tonight, we and they're on the road to Emmaus. Three things I want to share with you briefly. Number one is this. The Emmaus road is a road where Jesus stays with you and does not depart. If you notice that they were walking along, going to the road to Emmaus, and all of a sudden Jesus joined them, do you notice that Jesus wanted to go a little bit farther? He indicated that, that he was going to leave them behind. He was going to continue to go on. We need to understand that the Emmaus road is a road where Jesus stays. I don't know about you, but I want Jesus to stay with us. I do not want Jesus to pass us by. I do not want the Lord to pass by Newport Ritchie. I do not want the Lord to pass by Pasco County. I do not want the Lord 
Lord to pass by my white life. I do not want the Lord to pass by my family. I do not want the Lord to pass by CCWC. I do not want the Lord to pass by our nation. Jesus was walking with these two disciples after his resurrection, talking with them and teaching them. They get near Emmaus. Jesus is continuing to walk on, but they didn't want Jesus to pass them by. The new King James says they constrained him, not physically, not even verbally, but in the Greek it means to plead with him, to urge him. They said, Lord, please don't pass me by. Please, Lord, I need your touch. Please, Lord, we understand that you're the only true and living God. Please, Lord, don't pass CCWC by. Lord, we plead with you. We urge you. We constrain you tonight, Lord. We need your presence. We need your power. We need your mercy. We need your grace. We need your love. We need your peace. We need you, Lord. Don't pass by the strayer home, Lord. Don't go to another house. We need you, Lord, in our family. We need you, Lord, in our marriage. We need you, Lord, with our kids. We need you, Lord, with our grandkids. We need you, Lord, in our house. Lord, don't pass by our business, Lord. We need you in our business. We need you to bring in the customers. And, Lord, we'll make sure that we give you the tithe, that we give you the offering, that we bless you. Don't pass us by, Lord. Don't pass by Newport Ritchie, Lord. Come on. We need a revival in Newport Ritchie. Don't pass by the Tampa Bay area. We need a revival in the Tampa Bay area area. Don't pass us by. Come on, anybody here tonight? Don't pass us by, Lord. Don't pass us by, Lord. They urged him. They urged him. God's people, don't let Jesus pass you by. Don't let Jesus pass by your ministry. Don't let him pass by our community. Don't let him pass by our family. Don't let him pass by our nation. And Jesus begins to pass by Emmaus, and the disciples urge him, and they plead with him. What does it mean? It means to press him on the issue. It means that they gave him arguments and reasons to stay, and there was a sense of urgency, and there was a sense of desperation and tone in their voices. You know what they actually did? The Greek is wonderful here. They said they cried out to the Lord. They said, Lord, we're desperate for you. If you pass by, Lord, we're going to be in a tough, nothing's going to happen. No lives are going to be touched. No lives are going to be changed. You're indicating, Lord, that you're going to pass us by. But, Lord, we plead with you. They gave him reasons. They pressed him, again, not physically, not harshly. But, Lord, you can't leave. Lord, you can't go. There was a desperation in their hearts. You know what is missing in all of us and in every church of America? A desperation. We need to be desperate that we need the Lord more than we have ever needed the Lord before. We need him in our churches. We need him in our pulpit. We need him in our homes. We need him in our lives. We need him in our businesses. Wherever we go, we need the Lord. We need the Lord. Come on, will anybody else urge him and plead with him not to pass us by? Come on, do you want the Lord to stay? Do you want the Lord to remain? Lord, stay. Lord, remain. Remain. In verse 29, I'm going to read it here in verse 29. It says, abide with us for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. And he went in and he did stay with them. I love what it says here. It speaks in the Greek of crying out or it may be too late. Isn't that cool? They cried out to the Lord and they said, Lord, 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 we want you to understand we're crying out to you to stay. And if you don't stay, it may be too late. I don't want it to be too late for Newport Ritchie. Newport Ritchie, Florida, the area that we live in. Do you realize that God has placed us all here for such a time as this? I understand that maybe all of you want to be on a beach in Hawaii. I understand that. Maybe you want to live someplace else, but not me. This is where the Lord put me. This is where the Lord put my family. And I don't want it to be too late. We don't need just more churches. 
We need more churches that will operate in power and might and have a desperation for the things of the Lord that we can see our community changed. Come on, is anybody desperate for Jesus? Well, that's pretty good, but not real good. Come on, are you more desperate for Jesus than anything else in your... Are you more desperate for Jesus than your children? Are you more desperate for Jesus than money you can make? Come on, are you more desperate for Jesus than sports you can watch? Can you imagine Jesus all of a sudden? They're kind of, those two disciples, they're sitting there in a mess. They're kind of settling in. All of a sudden, Jesus has just continued to walk like this. Man, I would have gotten up too. They just got up. They put their arms around the Lord. No, Lord, you, I give, give you 10 reasons why you shouldn't leave. I'm arguing with you, Lord. I'm not mad at you, but you can't stay. You got to be here. And every day I say, Lord, I thank you for the road to Emmaus. I was wrestling with the Lord this morning, and I said, Lord, don't leave Newport Ritchie. Lord, don't leave Newport Ritchie. Lord, don't leave CCWC. Lord, I thank you for teaching. I thank you for pastors. I thank you for worship. But Lord, it's nothing without you. We need you, Lord. Don't leave us, Lord. Because if you leave us, Lord, we're nothing. If you leave us, Lord, it's just religious stuff. If you leave us, Lord, there's no salvation. There's no healing. There's no victory. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's no purpose. There's no destiny. Hello, anybody here tonight? We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. We're desperate for you. It refers to prayer. It refers to crying out prayer. And we cry out. Why do we cry out to the Lord? Because it's biblical. In the Psalms, it says to cry out to the Lord. In the book of Judges, in the book of Jeremiah, in the book of Matthew, in the book of Mark, in the book of 1 Samuel, in the book of 1 Chronicles, in the book of Exodus, in the book of Genesis, in the book of Luke, in the book of John. I could go on and on all throughout the Bible. It says to cry out to the Lord. I wish that all of you could come to a corporate prayer meeting. You say, Pastor, I'm tired of you saying it. That's okay. You're going to have to be tired of me saying it because I wish all of you would be in a corporate prayer meeting. I understand we pray personally, but the Bible says to gather together. And on Thursday night, it is crowded, so we're going to get together with Pastor Tony and Dick Maxwell. We're going to run into the wall because we're going to break down the wall, and we're going to make the room larger, and if that room fills up also, we're going to break down the next wall, and we'll go into the guest reception. Sorry, Thea, we'll go in where the pianos are, and we're just going to keep praying and praying and praying and praying, so those who have an excuse say it's too crowded, guess what? We're going to make room so you can't have that as an excuse anymore, and we're going to pray, and we're going to keep crying out to the Lord, and we're going to believe God to do great and wonderful things because I don't want the Lord to leave. Come on, does anybody want the Lord to stay? Come on, do you really want him to stay? Let's look at Matthew chapter 20. Now keep your hand here in Luke because we're going to come back. Let's look at Matthew chapter 20. Turn to somebody and say, we're on the road to Emmaus tonight. It's a road where Jesus stays. Do you want him to stay in your home? In your church? In your business? Or do you want to do it on your own? Matthew chapter 20, verse 29 as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. That's Jesus. Now remember, Jesus now is leaving Jericho. But behold, there are two blind men. Remember these two blind men, they are not saved. They are not born again. So they're blind spiritually and they're also blind physically. So if you notice in the scriptures, when somebody was blind or somebody was dead, it means they were dead spiritually and dead physically. But how many of you are glad when Jesus shows up, he brings life to people? So these two men are blind spiritually. They are not saved. And Jesus comes along and look what he does. They are sitting by the road. Now, look what Jesus is doing. He is passing them by again. And when they heard that Jesus was what? Passing by. He's passing by. He's leaving. What did they do? 
The same thing the two men on the road to Emmaus did. Look what these guys did. They cried out saying, Lord, have mercy on us. Oh, Lord, son of David. Then the multitude, how many of you know there's always religious people in the mix? How many of you know religious people spoil the Christian party every time? Can't do this, can't do that, don't say that, too loud, too bad, too cold, too, oh my goodness. Then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But I love these two blind men. Now remember, these guys are non-believers. Would you guys be quiet? You're being too noisy. And look what they did. They cried out more. Don't you love that? How many of you know if you're a born-again believer and somebody says, would you calm down? Not only am I not going to calm down, but I am going to lift my voice. I'm not, I'm not going to be loud. I'm not going to be loud just to be loud. And I'm not going to praise the Lord just to annoy people. But who else has died for you on the cross? Who else has shed blood for you? Who else has risen from the dead for you? Who else has changed your life? Who else has touched you? Who else has given you a job? Who else has provided for you? Who else has comforted you? Pastor, settle down. No, you need to get up to my standard. Come on, you need to get up to my level. They cried out even more. They cried out more and more and more, saying, have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. And look with this. Jesus was passing them by, and all of a sudden, guess what he did? He stood still. You see, when we cry out, he might be heading out of Newport Ritchie, but he says, I'm not leaving Newport Ritchie. I'm not leaving this area. Why, Lord? Because Trinity has been built up. Why, Lord, aren't you leaving this area? Because of all the things that are going on with the housing developments? No, the reason I'm not going anyplace is because I hear some voices. I hear a few people in Newport Ritchie, all in different churches, all in different places, lifting up their voices to me. And as people cry out to the Lord, guess what he does? I'm standing still. I'm not leaving Jericho. I'm not leaving Emmaus. I'm standing in their midst. I hear the voices of my people. I hear the cries of my people. I'm staying right there. Woo! I'm staying right there. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, that your eyes, that our eyes may be open. There's nothing wrong with saying what's wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with saying you're blind. A lot of people say that's negative. No, that's not negative. That is the truth. They were blind. They said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be open. So Jesus had compassion and touched their eyes. And immediately their eyes received sight and they followed him. What two things happened to those two blind men at that point? They were saved and they were born again. And number two, they were totally and completely healed because people cried out to the Lord. Anybody want to see some more healings? Come on, anybody want to see some more salvations? Anybody want to see some more missionaries sent out? Anybody want to see some more people fed? Anybody want to see the Lord move in a greater way? Guess what we got to do? Cry out to the Lord. 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 Turn with me to the book of Exodus. Oh, I'm having fun. I don't know about you. I'm having fun. Exodus chapter 3. This is better than Joel. Joel would have been boring, but this is good. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus 3. Starting in verse 1. Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law. And Jethro, that's not the one on the Beverly Hillbillies, okay? This is another Jethro. So Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flame of fire. Who's the angel of the Lord? It's Jesus. That doesn't mean he's an angel. Remember, the word angel just means messenger. 
So Jesus was there in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So Moses looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, now I'm going to turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. Now, if you notice here in verse 3, Moses said, I will now turn aside. How many of you understand when God manifests his presence, you can either turn to the side and turn into that presence, or you can keep on walking on? A lot of people in the church of Jesus Christ just want a church experience. I don't want just a church experience. I want a Jesus experience. And when the Lord calls from the bush, I just don't want to keep walking on. I'm going to turn to that bush. I'm going to walk to that bush, and I won't get burnt. But guess what? I'll get touched and set on fire by the power of the Holy Spirit. Do not turn away from the voice of the Lord. Do not turn away from the power of the Holy Spirit. When God calls, run toward that bush, run toward the Lord, and get everything God has for you. Everything. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, verse 4, God called him, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses. Don't you like, love it when the Lord says it twice? Moses. You say, I don't hear the Lord. Moses. And he said, here I am. How many of you know that's all you have to do with the Lord? Here I am. Here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off, for this is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard. Did you circle that with your pen? They cried out to the Lord. Look at this. I have heard their cry. How many of you have thought at times that the Lord didn't hear your cries? I've thought that before. How many of you have felt sometimes you cried out to the Lord, it hit the ceiling, came back and hit you between the eyes? God's just not answering my prayers. Do you realize Israel prayed for 430 years? That's how long they were in Egypt. 400 of those years were in bondage. The first 30, they were not in bondage. But now they've been crying out to the Lord for 400 years. So you think you've waited a long time. Come on, quit whining. Quit crying. Dry those tears. Israel had to wait 400 years, but guess what? God came through. I got great news for you. God always comes through on his timing. Come on, is anybody willing to wait 400 years? That's why I thought two people, okay. And the Lord said, I've surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. How many of you know the Lord knows your sorrows? Don't tell the Lord he doesn't care. He knows your sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Strayerites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Now therefore, <laughs> therefore behold, the cry, uh-oh, look at that. The cry of the children of Israel has come to me. And I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people and the children of Israel out of Egypt. The children of Israel were in Egypt, and they began to cry out to the Lord. The word cry means to roar like a lion. It means to ring, a ringing sound. It means a loud humming noise. It means an actual shriek. When you come to our corporate prayer meetings, it is not silent. It is not, yeah, we don't ask people to yell, we don't ask people to scream, but crying out to the Lord means to lift your voice to the Lord. And for a lot of people, it might be different, but listen, it's biblical, it's found throughout the Bible. The Lord, the enemy doesn't want you to be in a prayer meeting where people are crying out to the Lord. He wants it to be religious, he wants it to be quiet, so when people start to lift their voices a little bit, everybody's going, shh. 
How many of you know that's the enemy and that's a religious spirit? We are not going to be quiet. We are going to be like John the Baptist. We have a voice. We're going to witness. We're going to pray. We're going to seek the face of the Lord. Then we're going to watch God move. We're going to watch the Lord move. Now, there's a couple prayer principles here. Please write them down. Number one is this, that we can learn from Exodus. The Lord limits himself to our prayers. The Lord limits himself to our prayers. The Lord will do something sovereignly. What does sovereign mean? He can do anything he wants. How many of you know he created the heavens and the earth? He did it all himself. But most of the things that happen, please get that phone, it's the Lord. Look at that. Most things happen. Most things happen because people pray. You say, Pastor, nothing's happening. Are you desperate for the Lord? Are you in your prayer closet every day? Are you believing God to touch your marriage? Are you believing God to give you that job? Are you believing God to change that situation? There's no reason whining about it, putting it on Facebook. Get on your knees. Seek the face of the Lord. Get a place to pray and go for it. I uh, talked to a lot of people. I said, did you pray today? They said, sure did. I blessed my eggs. Lord, bless the eggs this morning and the bacon. Lord, and the coffee. No, that, no, we're not talking about blessing the eggs. We're talking about getting on your knees. If you're not able to get on your knees, we're praying to go outside, sit down on a chair, whatever you have to do. But lift up your voice to the Lord and cry out to God. A hundred percent guarantee he will change your life. He will change your situation. I don't know when he's going to do it, but it will happen. Your marriage will change. Your life will change. Your church will change. Your community will change. Our nation will change. Our world will change. Your situation will change. I love this group over here. They are on fire. There's something going on on this side of the sanctuary. I don't know what it is, but something's going on over here. Everything will happen. You say, why? Just because we pray. Now, the opposite is also true. If we do not pray, God does not have to move. Does everybody realize that? We don't pray, God doesn't move. We pray, God moves. How many of you want God to move? Then we got to pray personally, and we got to pray corporately. The amount of people crying out to the Lord makes a difference. Here we see there were millions of Jewish people who were crying out and praying in Exodus 3. God does answer the prayer of one person. I do pray personally myself, but corporate prayer is also important and a mandate from the Lord. The Bible says to cry out to the Lord and pray. We might not understand it all, but we must obey the precepts that God has laid down. Can you imagine? Some commentators say there were two to three million Jewish people in Egypt. Some say there were more millions. Let's just say there's two million. How many of you understand? You got two million people that are crying out to the Lord to do something. How many of you know God heard them? God saw their oppression. God saw what was happening, and God brought deliverance to them. How many of you know if there's a hundred of us in a corporate prayer meeting, I'm glad if there was just one, but how many of you know if there's a hundred? How many of you know there's going to be thousands of demons that are just pushed out of the area? How many of you know there's going to be more things happening? So numbers do matter. Numbers matter so much that there's a book in the Bible called Numbers. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. You say, Pastor, I feel guilty for not being in corporate prayer. This sermon isn't to make you feel guilty. It's to encourage you and strengthen you to get to a corporate prayer meeting before first service, Tuesday at noon, Wednesday morning. We have a great early Wednesday morning prayer time, 6 to 7 o'clock. We have Thursday night before service. Acts chapter 1, verse 15. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples, and altogether the number of names was about what? 120. And look at verse 14. 
These all, what all? All 120, I just read to you the number, all of them continued with one accord, all together in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And guess what they did in the upper room? They cried out to the Lord, and the Holy Spirit fell. And they all began to speak in other tongues. <laughs> How many of you are glad that you can pray in English? And you can pray in another tongue that God gives you. So isn't prayer fun? So many people say, how in the world do you guys pray for an hour? It's easy. Five, ten minutes, fifteen minutes in English. Then I put it in fifth gear just like a Mustang. And all of a sudden I'm speaking in tongues. And guess what? When you speak in tongues, you can pray for hours. You know why? Because it's not you praying. It's the Holy Spirit praying through you the perfect prayer of God. How many of you have never, and I'm not going to ask you to come forward or whatever right now, but how many of you have never spoken in tongues? Can I see your hand lifted high up in the air? Wouldn't it be awesome? There's a lot of you out there. Wouldn't it be awesome tonight if you just came forward and, and the Lord just baptized you in the Holy Spirit? Number two, let's go back to the road to Emmaus. I could stay on one all this time, but we got to get moving here. This service will end at 10 o'clock, so let's keep going. Verse 31. Only one hallelujah. That's not bad for a Thursday night. Verse 31. The Emmaus Road is a road where eyes are opened. Eyes are opened. Verse 31. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And then all of a sudden, he vanished. God's people, in the days in which we are living, our eyes better be open to what is actually going on across planet Earth. We get sometimes so busy that our heads are in the sand, all of us, like an ostrich, and we don't truly understand what is going on on planet Earth. We don't understand the times that we are living in, but one of the most important things that happened to these two disciples, that when all of a sudden their eyes were opened, look what it says in that verse. It says they knew him. I'm not so sure a lot of born-again believers really know Jesus. Man, there's nothing better than knowing Jesus. You say, Pastor Stuart, I'm saved. I'm not talking about being saved, although that's important. I'm talking about knowing Jesus. I wrote some things down here. We need to know not only that we are saved, we need to know him. We need to know that he is the only Savior of the world. We need to know that he is the only true and living God. We need to know that he is good and kind all the time. We need to know that he is a faithful God. We need to know him and what he is really like. We need to know that no matter what happens in life, that he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We need to know him so strong that in these last days when the pressure keeps ramping up and ramping up and ramping up, we need to not doubt him. We need to not question him. We we just need to obey him and follow him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. Come on, does anybody really know him? Do you know him? Our eyes must be open to know him. Our eyes must be open that the church needs revival. Our eyes need to be open to understand that there are two main streams flowing today at the same time across the globe, lukewarmness and revival. Our eyes need to be open to so many things. Our eyes need to be open that we are living in the last days. Our eyes need to be open. They need to be open to know that our nation is away from Jesus and the Word, and we must return to Him. Only 10% of our nation is actually saved. The U.S. is one of the largest unreached peoples group in the world. Our nation is now a secular nation. We kill babies even when they're out of the womb. We have redefined marriage. Corruption is everywhere. Violence is in our streets. I love our nation, but God's people, when you are on the road to Emmaus, your eyes are open to actually what is happening. You see the facts, and then you determine we, the church, can be a part of the solution. 
Because we have the answer. Jesus is the answer. Come on, does anybody want your eyes open? And number three, number three, on the Emmaus Road, this is when we get on fire for Jesus. You know what? Most of the hands were up at the beginning saying, I want to get on fire for the Lord. Let's see if you still want to get on fire for the Lord. Anybody want to be on fire for the Lord? Look at verse 32. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? A question for all of us, myself included. Is your heart still burning for the things of the Lord? Do you remember when you first got saved? Anybody remember the day you first got? Oh, I remember. My heart was burning. Woo! I was on fire for the king. It was a great experience. There's a song we used to sing way, way back years and years and years ago. Take me back where I first received you. Not that we would go back in years, but take me back to that place. Come on, how many of you remember the day you got saved and the excitement that was in your heart and the change that happened in your life? All of you have your hands up or you're saying, yes, I remember that. Is it still there? Come on, be honest. Is it still there? When you were on the road to Emmaus, the burning that you felt, the fire of God that you sensed that was in your heart, not an emotionalism, but a change and a touch and a repentance that came to you. It can still be there. It never has to go away. It never has to go out. You say, why? My Bible says in Hebrews 12, 29, that he is a consuming fire. Turn with me, if you would, please, to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 29. I can't speak for any of you, and I would never judge any of you, but all I know is this. All I can speak is me. My heart's still burning for Jesus. All three of you agreed with me. My heart's still burning. Come on, is your heart still burning for Jesus? I want to burn for you. All of you singing, you need to join the choir. Come on, man. <laughs> Hebrews 12, 29. Can we all read that together in our Bibles? Are you turned there? If you don't have one, just lean over and share with somebody next to you. A couple people leaving, I don't mean to offend, but let's don't leave, please. You say, I got to get home. No, you got to stay here and let the Lord touch you. He'll do a work in you. Look at verse 29. Let's read it together. You ready? For our God is a consuming fire. Let's read it again, please. For our God is a consuming fire. One more time, please. For our God is a consuming fire. So guess what Paul was saying here? You will get on fire when you're close to the fire. You will get on fire when you're close to the fire. If he's a consuming fire and you get close to him tomorrow, what's going to happen to you? You're going to get on fire. And when you are on fire, your husband's going to get on fire. Your wife's going to get on fire. Your kids are going to get on fire. When you go to work, the people at work are going to get on fire. When you come to church, people in the church are going to get on fire. Because you're close to Jesus, you get on fire. It's contagious. So we need to get close to the fire. We need to stay near the fire in the book of Luke. In verse 30, when we were reading about the road to Emmaus, when Jesus was there, it says they sat at a table together. 
It says that they walked together in verse 15. In verses 40 to 53, it says they had lengthy conversations together. In verse 45, it says that they were talking about the word of God together. They were 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 close to Jesus. So guess what happened? They had a burning in their own life. You say, Pastor, I'm just not on fire for the Lord. You won't get it with the church experience. But guess what you can have tomorrow? You can have a Jesus experience as you get in your prayer closet. And guess what? When you get in that prayer closet and open up, there's going to be flames coming out of there because guess who's there? The consuming fire of the Lord. And you're going to enter into the presence just like Moses did. And I can guarantee you, when you get close to the fire, you will hear the voice of the fire. When Moses got close to that fire, guess what he heard? He heard his destiny. Moses, Moses, I have called you to go to the children of Israel. I have called you to be the one who is going to deliver them. You are going to set them free. Nothing better than the voice of the fire talking into your heart and speaking into your heart. You got to get close to him. You got to burn, baby, burn. You got to burn with his fire and hear the voice of his fire and let him touch you and let him excite you and let him put a passion in you. I can't do it. The church can't do it. Your spouse can't do it. You got to do it. A small group can't do it. A counselor can't do it. You got to get in that prayer closet. You got to get on fire for Jesus.